0: Active FM presents Food, food for Thought, thought with thought. Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky and Radio,
1: better. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you administer to my heart. May your word be revealed to me today in a way that I would understand it, So that I can speak it, and do it, and see it change my life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we've been doing a short series called A New World Culture. And um, I really believe the world needs a new culture. It has for a long time, but what's happened now in the times that we're living in, it's now obvious. And uh, the sermon today is entitled, The Testimony of God's Work Changes the Culture. I want to say it again, the testimony of God's work changes the culture. And this has been the whole thesis of this whole series. And we spoke about the fact that the world's culture is a culture of fear. If you look at how the lockdowns came into being around the world, it was a culture of fear. People were willing to give up their freedom because they were afraid of an invisible enemy called SARS-CoV-2. And uh, the antithesis of this, the opposite of that is the kingdom's culture of love. And it's a love that expels or cancels out or destroys all fear. If we have fear inside of ourselves, it is the world's culture that we live in according to. And then we went on last week to look at Revelation 19 verse 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Let me tell you something, even for myself, or any human being that is in the church we are not worshipped because we are not God we carry the testimony of Jesus and if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior then we are your brothers and sisters in Christ that is what this is saying and I want you to realize that everything points to the next two words in the verse which say worship God all of you say worship God why for the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy and i really want you to think about this today because we're going to continue with this but the thing is what you have to realize is why is this so important it starts out with your attitude to worship god to worship him with everything that you have to worship him according to romans 12 verse 1 which if you're watching the situation in this past week we spoke about, that you offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him. A sacrifice dies. So I die. It's no longer I who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. And then what happens is that when we do that, we end up in the position whereby we can go and cast the demons out. And if we... If we do that, we can fight the spiritual fight. Now, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I want you to think about testimony. Testimony speaks of something that's been done. It speaks of in the past. When I look back, I'm looking at testimony. So for many people, the testimony that they see is the testimony of COVID-19. And every single decision they make, they look back at the testimony of people that they've buried. And everything that they decide on the future is based on the testimony of West Park Cemetery. I I want you to think about how you'll win in life. If from the outset, your testimony is the cemetery. Your future is death. But the testimony of Jesus is not death. You see, the culture of the world is fear because the the world is afraid of death. And death is the reality of the world. You're either dead in West Park Cemetery or you're busy dying every single day. Every second that you're alive, you are one second closer to your death. And that's the reality of the world. And what does the world do? It lives in fear of death. And the world spends all its time trying to stave off that which is inevitable. I know we never think it will happen to us, but yet it will happen to all of us. But the testimony of Jesus is different. The testimony of Jesus is also looking back, also looking at what has happened. And it is the spoken or written word of everything that is done. The testimony of Jesus is in the Gospels. The testimony of Jesus is in, is in church history. The testimony of Jesus is in our own lives in terms of how the Lord saved us, how we came out of being in a place whereby we have no hope, we have no redemption, we're headed for hell. And yet we get saved out of that into eternal life. The testimony of Jesus is when we've prayed for someone and they've been healed. The testimony of Jesus is when we've prayed and the Lord has come through for, with us for, uh, for for us with finances. The testimony of Jesus: we were going to starve tonight. There was a knock on the door and someone brought us food. That's a testimony. And the testimony of Jesus becomes a prophecy. And a prophecy speaks of the future. It foretells the future. And it has therefore the ability to change present situations. To change the present reality that people are facing. Because the testimony of Jesus carries the weight of heaven to alter the reality of a problem or situation that we are facing. I said last week and I'll say it again this week, that I believe people that are part of this service are going to see family members healed. I believe it. It was last week, and I believe it. this. It wasn't like last week was a special service. No, no, no. This week it's the same. I believe that there are people in the service who are going to see family members healed, but it's those who are going to step out in faith and start praying and start applying the blood of Jesus and start declaring that by His stripes we are healed. Even though you feel like an absolute fruitcake while you're saying it, you say it anyway, and you stand on the Word when everything inside of you and everything in the natural world says, the Word will not come to pass. You do it anyway. Charles Spurgeon, I want to quote, we quoted him last week, I want to quote him again. When people hear about what God used to do, they say, oh, that was a very long time ago. And then he said this, listen to these words, I wanted to know, has God changed? Can God not do again what he did at one time? I say that what God did is a prophecy of what he intends to do again. Let us look on what God has done as a precedent. It's a precedent. In other words, it must be followed in the future. The testimonies were passed on in the in, in, in the Bible to give to the children, and the testimonies were passed on to give the children courage to keep the commandments of God. We looked at Psalm 78. And specifically in 9 and 11, we looked at what happened with the children who did not have the testimony of Jesus. Who did not have the testimony of what God had done when he led the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. It says the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows. In other words, they had everything that they needed from a human perspective. They had the skills. They had the technology. They had the weapons. They had the equipment. They had everything that they needed. They could have won the battle. Yet what happened? Being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of the battle. They had diarrhea. They got scared. They got afraid and they ran away. Why did they run away? Verse 10. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in His law. So they broke off their relationship with God. They cut themselves off. They did their own thing. They worshipped other gods. They did things that they weren't supposed to do. And it's not that, oh, you're so bad. No, no. They had a covenant with God. God had allowed them to walk through the sea. He said, worship me and worship me only. And they cut that off. They refused to walk in his law and they forgot to that they forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Here's the issue they didn't speak about what God was doing, they didn't testify. And when they didn't testify, out went the commandments of God. When we don't speak about what God is doing then following god and doing the commands of god and putting god first and living for his cause which means you're living for his church and doing all that kind of stuff and praying for the sick when you're afraid you might catch COVID from the person that you're praying for all of that stuff goes out the window because If you forget the testimony of what God has done, it's all based on your own effort. And the second it's based on your own effort, let me tell you, the call of God is too hard. It's not that you don't want to do it, it's that it's too hard. Without God, it's impossible to do. You can't do it. Don't tell me you don't want to admit that you can't. Because you're trying to do it in your own strength. When God reveals himself in people's circumstances, through things that provide a testimony, it invites them in to open their hearts and have a relationship with him. God does miracles for you. God does supernatural things in your life because he wants to invite you in to have a relationship with him. He wants it to be you and him the testimonies of what God has done the testimonies of what Jesus has done invite us into his story invite us to be in a place where we're living in his story to change the atmosphere of the room share the miracle stories for those of you who weren't part of active youth on Friday I would strongly advise that you go and have a look at that It was all about prayer. It was all about testimonies. Testimonies change the atmosphere of the room. Testimonies will change the atmosphere around South Africa. When you're in fear, you are being played. Trust me, you are being played. Every bit of information that you receive, you're being played. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 10 to 13. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now boldly and confidently come into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you so that you should feel honored. I want you to think about what he's writing to this church. The the, the place he's writing to is a place called Ephesus. It's a church he's planted. And I want you to think about what exactly it is that he's saying here. He says God's purpose in all this, in everything that has happened... God has a purpose. And his purpose in all this was that the church would display his wisdom. Think about that for a second. When the universe looks at the church, the church reflects to the universe the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is a secret to the entire universe, which includes Satan, it includes the demons, and it includes the angels, and it includes every spiritual, every physical, every being that is everywhere. The entire universe is looking at the church to see the wisdom of Almighty God. And it says, listen to this, I mean, think about this. His purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. We've looked recently at the fact that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. And yeah, it says, yeah, but God is displaying his wisdom to the devil himself, to the archangel Gabriel and Michael themselves. He is displaying his wisdom through the church. Every time we're together, we're the church. And when we're together and we're united, God is revealing himself not only to the people of the world, but to the very spiritual beings that are out there all over the place that they're making all those movies about. All those people who've got their angel cards and their angel this and, and 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 their ancestors and to every single one. The wisdom of God is being shown to all of those beings whatever, wherever they are through the church. I know the governments around the world have stated with COVID-19 that the church is just a social thing that the church is not essential they can say that till they blew in the face they can say that till the cows come home and they start eating beef and when a cow eats beef you know there's trouble because they are beef a cow that eats beef is a cannibal they can say that until an 89 year old man full of rheumatoid arthritis runs down Love Day Street South and does cartwheels perfectly better than they even did doing certain exercise or sports or whatever you want to call them at the Olympics the eternal in other words the forever plan of God was for Jesus to reveal himself to the angels through the church through you And a big tool that he uses in doing that is testimony about the supernatural things that God has done. Understand when you're part of the church, you're so essential, you're so important that all of the demons are watching. What do we need to react to? What do we need to respond to? What is Jesus doing on the earth today? The angels are listening to your prayers. Because when they listen to your prayers, they're listening to what does God want them to do? What initiatives does God want them to back? They're waiting on your orders. Not that you pray to them. (laughs) You're praying to the Lord in Jesus' name. The angels are listening to your prayers to hear their orders from their commander, which is God. When we share the stories, the atmosphere in the room changes. God looks for people who value him enough that they will give him an opportunity to show off his work. He will not show off his work in your life without your permission. He specializes in the impossible. And I've decided, myself and anyone that is with me, we're there for the journey. We're there for the journey. Now I just quickly want to share something that we've shared before. We speak about the seven places that Jesus shed his blood. And everything that we're able to do is based on the blood of Jesus. And one of the places where Jesus shed his blood was when they drove the nails through his hands. We call this the blood of productivity. And the blood of productivity speaks to the gifts of God. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 to 11, it says, Now there are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. Now some translations talk about gifts. So the same God works all of these things in all men. Now to each one in verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these work, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now I want to give you an example here. He talks about the gift of faith. Do you know, we're all, we're all commanded to have faith. In fact, in, in the book of Ephesians, in, in chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says, For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. So the grace of God, the mercy of God, comes on us through our faith in Him. So we're all commanded to have faith, but some people have the gift of faith. So over and above what they can do, there's a gift And they do certain things, they walk certain things, and miraculously things just happen. So yes, some people have that gift, but we can all walk in faith. You say, yeah, but I doubt. Let me tell you, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is unbelief. The opposite of faith is when you choose stubbornly not to believe. When you say god cannot do this or god will not do this or whatever now according to scripture there are nine gifts of the spirit and you can divide them into three categories the first one is a gift of revelation and revelation comes through a word of wisdom it gives direction and and often a word of wisdom will come to someone where someone will say something to them about something that they couldn't have known about. And they will realize there's wisdom here and there's something bigger in terms of what this person is saying than what they're actually saying. An example of this is in Exodus chapter 18. You can go and read it in uh, verses 13 to 27 where, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes to see him. And Jethro says, the way you are working, you're going to work yourself out. You need to build a team. And you need to build the team using the men that you have and, and, and give them responsibility in accordance with their abilities. The whole cell vision and everything is about that. Giving people responsibility in, 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 in line with their abilities and then teach them how to grow so that they can take greater and greater responsibility so that they can lead the way God wants them to lead. Jethro gave him wisdom and he said, if you don't do this, Moses, you're leading four or five million people Yeah, you're going to wear yourself out and the people will be frustrated. The second gift of revelation is the word of knowledge. And this is a gift of information. You're providing accurate knowledge that reveals a specific fact to someone. And this is like a watchtower that warns the person. And the person listening gets shocked. Because the question that they have, how could they have known this? This is the same as what happened if you go and look in the book of Acts chapter 5 where Ananias and Sapphira, they come in and they've done what all the other Christians in the church have done. They've sold a piece of land. Now the other Christians were coming, they were selling the piece of land and they're giving all the money that they've received to the church. They're laying it at the foot of the apostles. Can you imagine if people were selling their land and coming and laying all the, get all the cash, draw it out the bank and they come with the suitcases full and they're laying it at the feet, my feet. Can you imagine what the press would say? Can you imagine what maybe some of you would say? But that's what was happening. And then Ananias and Sapphira, they come with their suitcase and they lay it at the feet of Peter. And then they say, yep, this is all the money we got for the land. (laughs) Peter uncovers their lie. Look, the fact that you're giving the cash is cool. The fact that you're saying that this is the whole price for the land. You are sinning massively. You are lying to the Holy Spirit. You are lying in front of the Holy Spirit. And first Sapphira the wife comes in sorry Ananias the husband comes in and Peter says to him is this the whole amount you got for the land he says yes Peter of course and bam he drops dead they carry him out a little while later his wife comes in not knowing what had happened and Peter asks her, Sapphira is this the whole amount that you got for the land yes Peter of course he says you see those men there? They just carried your husband out, Nana. No, no. They're going to carry your dead body out, Nana. No, no. She drops dead. And the Bible says there was fear over the whole church. Peter had said to both of them, That land was yours. When you sold it, you had the right to dispose of the money as you wished. You didn't have to bring it to the church. You could decide to bring it to the church and you could decide not to. You could even decide. To bring a portion to the church that would have been awesome but you lied a lie was uncovered by a word of knowledge had it not been uncovered the growth of the church would have been affected there's also the discerning of spirits and this allows us to recognize when a wrong spirit wants to move in on the church and this helps us to maintain the purity of the gospel and protects us from doctrinal error. That's like the diviner came to the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16. And the diviner is saying all sorts of nice stuff. This is a herald of God. This guy speaking the words of God. But this person was coming in with a wrong spirit to affect the church. And let's just say that Paul told him to shut up with some spiritual power added to it. If you can't discern, you will be deceived. There's gifts of power. Gifts of power, the first one is faith. And what faith does, the gift of faith I'm talking about now, it removes us from the natural context and leads us to walk along the path of the supernatural. It gives us spiritual eyes with the ability to Clearly perceive the invisible. We can clearly see it when the word of God takes on meaning in our lives, producing superhuman strength to challenge and conquer the impossible. With absolute certainty that the that the Lord will give us victory, we're operating in the gift of faith. There's sometimes that people walk out. We've even I've even experienced in my own life. You walk out, like when we walked into this building. A totally impossible situation to pay for this thing. But with absolute certainty, God's going to do it. How you ask, we didn't know. We still don't know. We still don't know even today. But this is what it is. That's the gift of faith or the gift of healing. And this allows the healing power of God to be released upon any person for all types of disease. Today, I think it's important that we ask God to give us this gift. There's also the gift of miracles. And the gift of miracles is when we experience supernatural acts. And these supernatural acts take place with no human intervention and for which there's no human explanation. That was like when Jesus stood in the boat and he tells the storm, Hey, storm, you shut up in my name. And the storm went calm. And the Bible says the water was as still as a glass. There's also the example from the Old Testament where Joshua told the sun to stand still so that they could win the battle before the sunset. And then we have the, th- the third type. So we've got the, you know, the, the gifts of inspiration, we've got the gifts of power and sorry, not the gifts of inspiration, the, the, the gifts of, of, of revelation, sorry. The gifts of power and the gifts of inspiration and the first one is prophecy and prophecy comes when we are inspired by the holy spirit to speak the very words of god this is why i tell people start speaking the bible when you speak in the bible you're prophesying over people and what this gift brings into our lives is direction and protection it brings security it brings conviction of sin that's why people don't always like prophecy. Because we don't like conviction of sin. It takes humility to accept the conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit of sin. We see the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 7 verse 14, which is quoted again in Matthew 1, 22 and 23, where Isaiah prophesies that a virgin will come and through him we will be saved. The second gift of inspiration is the gift of tongues. And this is the ability to speak languages that you do not know. Sometimes when people pray in tongues, they pray in languages they themselves do not understand. But someone that is there listening knows that language. Other times we're praying in tongues, we're having communion with God. In our own quiet time at home, we're praying and He's building us up. He's strengthening us. And through strengthening us, he edifies, which is to build up the church. Tongues can also be assigned to unbelievers. When you speak in a language you don't understand, but that unbeliever does. God speaks to them, because they know you can't speak the language they understand. And then there's the interpretation of tongues. And this allows us to understand what people are saying. When, when tongues are spoken, the gift of tongues combined with the gift of interpretation of tongues is the same as prophecy. These gifts are not to make us look good, they're given to extend the work of the kingdom. And people need the kingdom. people are broken people are afraid and when people are broken and afraid they go crazy they believe things that don't make sense they believe that going to church will be a super spread event but going to a hospital is not The amount of people I know that got COVID at a hospital is astronomical. But the devil lies to us and says, no, church is dangerous. Church is a super spreader. I want to tell you. That when we gather and we share the testimonies of what God has done, and even when we have to meet scattered like this all over the internet and all of these sorts of things, when we start sharing the testimonies of what God has done, something changes in the room. And if you haven't seen Friday night's Active Youth, go watch it. It was just testimonies. The whole thing was testimonies. Testimonies of what the Lord is doing. It's all that it was. Nothing more, nothing less. And the thing is that's enough that's enough because if God can do it for you he can do it for me and the moment I know and I get convicted and convinced that God can do it for me the atmosphere in the room changes around me no longer am I devoid of hope and full of fear I expect to see miracles I expect to see the supernatural. I expect to see God coming through. I just want to go back to Romans 10, verse 8 and 9. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You need to understand that we're talking about the testimony we're talking about what god wants to do we're talking about what god's going to do we're talking about the fact that when we have a testimony it's a prophecy for the future for someone that's in the room that is listening to us as we give the testimony you know sometimes a person can give a testimony of what god has healed them from and someone else in the room can have that exact problem or someone else on that zoom meeting or that google meet meeting or whatever meeting. They have the exact same problem. They have the exact same issue. And the testimony gives them a conviction that God is busy healing them. And they experienced what the testifier experienced just through the power of a testimony about what Jesus had done. That's why the enemy wants to stop testimony. He wants to stop it. But I want you to realize this, the testimony and even if God heals you so supernaturally from something you should have died from, in a way that everyone knows that you should have died from that thing. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that testimony is for naught. The Bible says that, as I said, the word of faith is near you in your heart and in your mouth. And that is that if you believe, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and in other words, that's a testimony. You're saying, Jesus has saved me. He saved me from my sin. He's saved me from where I'm supposed to go to. He's given me a new eternal future. That's a testimony. I'm testifying. And someone else says, but I'm lost, so I could also be saved. But if I don't have Jesus in my heart, if I haven't confessed him with my mouth, and if I haven't believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead, then there's a problem because the next part says you will be saved. So if you don't have the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you, you, you're you not testifying to the fact that, that you believe that God has saved you through Jesus, that he raised Jesus from the dead, that he took the Lord and he took him up to heaven that Jesus ascended to heaven, the resurrected Christ, that the resurrected Christ then sent the Holy Spirit to the church and that right now the resurrected Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father where He's our lawyer defending our case before the Father and the evidence He gives is His own blood. If you don't believe that, then you're not saved. Saved from what? Saved from the eternal destiny that comes to every single person, that has sin in their DNA. And every human being is born with sin in their DNA. That's why unborn children even die. And we get saved from the destiny of sin. The destiny of sin is a place that was actually not built for people. The Lord Jesus himself declared it was built for Satan and his demons in the Gospel of Mark. When you believe and you, you confess Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you are saved from the destiny of the devil. You are saved out of it into the kingdom of God. That is why one of the, 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 the five declarations we make of the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, I have been redeemed from the power of the enemy. I've been redeemed from the kingdom of darkness. I've been taken into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I have a new king. Jesus is now my king. That means if the devil comes into my life and he touches me, he is trespassing. Today your eternal destiny is at stake. As you're sitting there at home, I want to challenge you with that. Jesus is telling you right now, I've given you the message, you've heard the testimonies, now I want you to give your heart to me, I want you to make me the Lord of your life, I want you to ask me to, 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 to fill you with, with with the Holy Spirit <clears throat> as a seal of your salvation. Right now I want you to make a decision for me. I want you to make a decision that will get you out of this eternal destiny that you don't want. And I want to encourage you right now. This, this place is an altar. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask everyone that's here or at one of the other sites. That if you need to give your life to Jesus, if you need to recommit your life to Jesus. That you will raise your hand. If you are watching alone, I'm going to ask you to come and kneel before the screen. And see the screen as an altar. And that's your raising of your hand. If you're listening via the audio, do the same. If you're in a public place and you can't do that, just put your right hand on your heart right now. You're not going to have a more effective time later. Don't tell the Lord, I'm going to think about this. You don't know if you have tomorrow. You don't know that today might be your last day. Maybe you're thinking my sin is too big for God. No, no, you don't understand. The blood of Jesus is far more expensive than the sin of the whole world. Your sin doesn't even come close. Your sin doesn't even register on a sin meter. The blood of Jesus will destroy and wipe out all of your sin. He will make it like you've never sinned. By the blood of Jesus, you'll have purpose. Purpose that is so powerful it would last for you through eternity. The Lord Jesus wants by the blood of Jesus for you to enter a realm whereby you know that you are destined to rule and reign with him forever. And when you come before him, you're saying, Lord, this is the time. Now is the time. I want to commit to you right now. I want to submit my life to you completely right now. I don't want to wait until I get home. I don't know if I can make it. I I, I want to commit to you right now because I do not want to live eternity far from you. I want to live eternity with you. I choose to live with you from this day forward so that one day when when, when, when it's my turn to pass on from this life, that I will not fear because I'll know that you're with me, because I'll know that you're walking with me every step of the way and that you're going to walk me right into eternity and that I will only face the shadow of death. I will not face death in all of its fullness and all of its might that's what you're saying and so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes those of you watching at home, come and kneel before the the screen now. those of you that are here at one of the sites if you need to give your life to Jesus or you want to recommit your life to Jesus here today, I'm going to ask you right now just to raise your hand and we're going to pray with those who raise their hands and those who are kneeling before the altar just raise your hand right now i see your hand Just raise your hands I'm just gonna ask one more please at the sites just check for people raising their hands I'm gonna ask everyone now to put your right hand on your heart and as you're putting your right hand on your heart I want you to visualize Jesus I want you to remember that he died for you on the cross And I want you to remember what the Bible says about Jesus, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus who died over 2,000 years ago on the cross for you at Calvary. His work stands today as a testimony of the fact that as you give your life to him, your sin is destroyed. The blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross was the price he paid. And that blood is the blood that will wash your sin away. just see him right now and then I'm going to ask you to pray after me, repeat after me and mean this prayer, we're all going to pray together with you, but mean this prayer say Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner I repent of everything I've done wrong I renounce my life of sin and I accept your sacrifice and I know that it was the price that you paid for my redemption so today Lord I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me of all my rebellion. Would wash me of all my sin. I pray that you would set me free from any sickness and any pain. And I accept that my debt has been paid. That there is no outstanding balance because you paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. And I declare in faith that by your blood, I am justified, and you see me as though I've never sinned, and by your blood, I am sanctified, and you have chosen me to serve you. I am willing to serve you. Today I open the door of my heart, and I invite you to come in as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.